have a great time last Sunday at the annual tree lighting for the town of Wyndham. Uh, I had a blast at the Wyndham tree lighting, handing out cookies and cocoa. Um, everybody needs some cookies and cocoa, especially this time of year. And uh, we just had so much fun uh, serving our community. So thank you so much if you participated in helping us be reliable for the town of Wyndham. Uh, this last couple of weeks, uh, the town has out to me and um, and just ask for some some help. And uh, one of the things you see uh, Linda that works at the at the Parks and Rec uh, said to me was, I I'm getting the, the the sense that I can always rely on you guys. So I want to say uh, thank you on behalf of Refuge Church. Thank you for helping us be reliable. Uh, one of the things that uh, we're doing uh, this year that's different is tomorrow night. what that means. They just asked me to do it, so I said, okay. <laughs> like, sometimes we just have to be willing, right? And um, if I want them to continue to ask me to do things, then I need to be willing to, to do um, some of the small things, even if I don't know what, what that means. So, um, if you want some entertainment, come and um, be a part of the, the uh, city, uh, I don't even know what it's called anymore, the, the town forum. Um, I know that one of the things that some people that I know are really uh, interested in talking about as a town is the need for a community center and, and that sort of thing. So you get to be a voice in our town. And so um, I'll be there. The time is from 6 to 7.30 tomorrow night uh, in the council chambers. Um, so uh, that's what's going on in Wyndham. But what's going on at the refuge today, we have what is called My Refuge. And this is just the path to take the refuge to make Rewind. This is just the path that you take to make the Refuge Church your home. And we want everyone to, to feel at home here. But um, let's be honest, like, um, there's a difference in feeling like home and being at home. And so we want you to feel. That's, that's the goal. Um, as you come in, as you visit, we want you to feel at home. But we don't want you to get comfortable. We want you to make this house your home. Because we believe that every being was designed for purpose, and that you find that purpose in the bride of Christ, which is the church, and that's what we want to help everyone do. We want to help you find your purpose, and we want you, we want to help you make Jesus known to the world around you. And so um, you do that through My Refuge. It's the first three weeks of every month, so if you miss this month, it's okay, we'll do it again next month, which is January 2018 go? I have no idea. Let me find it. Let me know. But um, my refuge is, is for you. Today, um, I'm leading uh, the, the class
class is called My Home, uh, and it's just an introduction to everything about our church, its structure, how we're structured as far as uh, what we do in the Christian Reformation. Kinda, I'm not going to say it's boring because no one's going to be there, but we do have snacks so um, and child care. So uh, child care and snacks are, are always provided. That meets at 11.45 in what's known as our little classroom. So um, we'd love to love to have you there. Uh, also, one more housekeeping thing, item, is um, today we have Christmas Eve invitations. If you have any friends that you want to be here for our Christmas Eve service, we have some invites that are at, um, I think my, the next steps might have some, may, may not, but I know that Guest Central has some. So stop by, get a stack of those babies, and take them and pass them out to your friends and just invite people. Uh, we are having, so uh, Christmas Eve is on Monday this year, so uh, we are having a Christmas Eve service on Monday the 24th, and we are also having our regular scheduled Sunday morning service on the on the 23rd, and um, they're going to be different services, so um, don't feel like um, if you come on Sunday, you can't come on Monday, so uh, we want you to invite your friends, your family. Um, I was telling someone, uh, this is my last uh, little thing before I bring Pastor Jordan to the Thanksgiving telling someone a couple weeks ago that when you start a new church, um, you can expect Easter to be to be huge. Like, um, I think our first Easter, we had 300, and I'm not saying this is a California fact, um, we had 341 people here on our first Easter Sunday. Um, Easter is expected when you start a new church, but, um, but the, the problem with Christmas as a new church, or sorry, the obstacle, we have no problem with So, um, the obstacle is we, um, as Christmas comes, like, you all have traditions that you have when you partake in Christmas. Probably not so many Easter traditions. Maybe you go to church, but when you just go to church on Easter, you can find a church that has a new service. And you're like, oh, that's a new church. We'll check it out on Easter, right? But you don't go, oh, there's a new church. I'm going to check it out on Christmas Eve. Because at Christmas time, we're trying to change some of the traditions with the church. So if you call the Refuge Church your home, we, is, we expect you to be here on Christmas Eve. But if you're kind of checking out, we want to invite you to Christmas Eve with us and make it a part of your communal tradition. And the school has been so gracious in allowing us to, um, to move up our stuff earlier in the auditorium on Sunday morning. So we don't have to come in super early and set it up. That service time is going to be my Christmas Eve spiel, and uh, we're going to move on to some things that matter. Today we are talking about the wonderful counselor. This is week three of a three-week series, which means it is the finale of the wonderful counselor. And um, this whole idea was born out of the idea that we have things in our lives that we struggle with at Christmas time. Um, week one, we tackled family. Because we knew that it was the week of Thanksgiving and you all were going to go and you were going to hang out with family that some of you didn't want to hang out with. So we talked about that on the Sunday before Thanksgiving and, and preparing for, um, for meeting with our family. And we talked about how to handle those family crazies in our family that we all have. And if you don't know who the crazy person is in your family, I've got bad news for you. You can make a connection. 
talks about how to handle those people, how they're supposed to, to do with them. And um, you can listen to all of these Some of you want me to say that again. As soon as you found out that we talked about depression in week two, you're like, oh, what was the name of that, that website? Reconciling.church classes. If you haven't been there, go and check out um, what I had to say about, about depression. Because the fact of the matter is, is that the suicide rate goes up by 40%. 40% during the holiday season. And so we talked a little bit about chapter 9 verse 6 says this, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now I believe that every human being has issues. Can I get an amen? Anybody? Anybody's like, y'all are like, speak for yourself. So we all have issues, and I believe that that really all of us could see a counselor. This is not an anti-counselor message, but I believe that the one that we celebrate at Christmas time is the wonderful counselor that we need, and that he has all the answers to every issue that we will ever face in his word. And so because of that, uh, we are calling this series Wonderful Counselor. So week one, we talked about family. Week two, we talked about depression. Today, we're talking about the wonderful word, gluttony. <laughs> gluttony. Because I think oftentimes, we, to just be 100% honest, we are entering into one of the most gluttonous times of the year in the Christmas season. We all like to consume during... Christmas season, for crying out loud, we handed out cookies and cocoa, right? Like, we all like to consume things at Christmas time. And so, just like last week, um, at the beginning of this message, we really have to establish what we're talking about. We have to establish the definition of gluttony. And so, um, I went to the Cambridge Dictionary again, and I looked up the for gluttony, and this is what it says. Gluttony is a situation in which people eat and drink more than they need to. The example sentence, I don't always include the example sentence, but listen to this. The example sentence in the Cambridge Dictionary for gluttony was this. 
they, they treat Christmas as just another excuse for gluttony. Isn't it amazing to, is it, is it just amazing to me that they actually use the word Christmas in the, um, in the example sentence to understand what gluttony is? And it's because we are entering into one of the most gluttonous times of the year. So the definition was eating and drinking a situation in which people eat and drink more than they need to. So notice that we are talking about eating and drinking. And that's not drinking water. Just throwing that out there. We're talking about eating and drinking, but and so like we, we can't ignore that it's that gluttony is eating and drinking. However, my simple definition for the word gluttony this morning is simply overindulgence. Overindulgence. And when you look at overindulgence, we indulge in so much more than just eating and drinking. Gluttony is more than eating and drinking. It's a consumption issue. It's an indulgence issue. So, Billy Graham says this. He said this, God bless you. He said, most preachers are silent on the subject of gluttony because they are guilty of it. Ouch, Billy. I mean, ouch, Mr. Graham. That one hurts. But seriously, the church has historically run from topics like gluttony, topics like depression, topics like family. And I don't, I just don't get it. I don't know why the church has historically run from issues that we all face at Christmas time. Mr. Graham goes on to say that the Bible has a lot to say about the topic of gluttony, which he does, and we'll get into some of that in just a moment. But for some reason, I can't help but to, to ask myself, why is it that we struggle with gluttony, especially at Christmas time? Why is it that we struggle with consumption at Christmas time? Why is it that the Cambridge Dictionary mentions Christmas in the definition of gluttony? So for today, today I want, to, um, I want to break up this message into two different sections. I want to begin this morning by talking about um, by, talking, by, by talking about the problem of gluttony. And then the second section, we're going to talk about the answer to gluttony. So we're going to break it up into two sections. First of all, the problem of gluttony. Second of all, the, the answer to gluttony. Most of you have probably heard of gluttony because you've heard of the seven deadly sins. So the problem with gluttony is that it's obviously sinful. But why? Why is it sinful? Look at Philippians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm reading uh, for this passage of Scripture, reading from the NIV translation. It's also on the screen, the version that I'll be reading. Philippians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 says this, For as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears. So, the Apostle Paul is writing to this church in this city called Philippi. And he's telling them, I'm about to tell you something that makes me, that, that, that gets me teary-eyed. Something that makes me sad. He goes,
goes on, he said, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. He's saying, it breaks my heart that so many people live as an enemy of Jesus. Verse 19, their destiny is destruction. Those that have the, the enemy of Jesus, their destiny is their destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Now, I know what some of you are, are possibly thinking, and it's probably, Pastor Adam, that verse didn't say anything about death. Or did it? If you look at verse 18, he's saying, this breaks my heart that these people are, that there are so many enemies of Jesus. But I find it extremely extremely uh, interesting that he says their God is their stomach. Now, why would he say that their God is their stomach? But then he goes on and he says their God is their stomach. They are set, they set their mind on earthly things. Other translations don't use the word stomach. Some of them use the word bellies. Other translations also use the word appetite. Their appetite is their God. What they consume is their God. The main problem with gluttony is that gluttony weakens your core. Write that down. The main problem with gluttony is gluttony weakens your core. Your core is everything. Anyone that that lifts weights or that has lifted weights at some point in their life, you know that your core is where your strength comes from. Um, Harvard Medical School says this about your core. Think of your core muscles as the sturdy central link in a chain connecting your upper and lower body, whether you're hitting a tennis ball or mopping the floor. I love that because it's, it's, it's the athlete, but it's the, the non-athlete. It's the functional movement, if I can call it that, real CrossFit. The necessary motions either originate in your core or move through it. No matter where motion starts, it ripples upward and downward, adjoining links of the chain. Thus, weak or inflexible core muscles can impair how well your arms and legs function. Your core muscles affect the way you move your arms and your legs. It goes on. And that saps power from many of the moves that you make. Properly building up your core cranks the power, cranks up the power. A strong core also enhances balance and stability. And all the clumsy people said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Thus, it can help prevent falls and injuries in any sports or other activities. Now, when I lived in, in Illinois before we moved, I had a, a good friend of mine uh, that was a, a trainer, and, and he, he trained me some. I almost called him my trainer, but then I thought like somebody would know that I was lying, so uh, I, I didn't call him my trainer. But he, he was a really good friend. He was a trainer. His name's Michael. He's, I stay in touch with him to this day, and, and I love the guy. One of the first things that he ever told me about, about exercise was this. He said when he was in high school, um, he really wanted to have a six-pack. 
clarify that. When he's in high school, because some of you wanted another six-pack when you are in high school. We're not going to go there yet. Yet. But he said he wanted to have six-pack abs in high school, so he read somewhere that he needed to focus on doing lunges and squats. And the reason he had to funk, he had to, to do lunges and squats for strengthening his core or to, to have six-pack abs was because everything is affected by your core muscles. And your core muscles are affected by even your legs. So some of you are like, oh, so maybe that's why I don't have a six-pack. Just kidding. That's a bad joke. Sorry. That's what I've said in my head after I wrote this. What affects your core even more so than your exercise? What affects your core even more so than your exercise? The answer is what you consume. Some of you guys are like, I didn't know I was going to get a health lesson, Pastor Adam. I didn't know you were going to go there. There was a girl in our uh, in our youth group in Illinois that was a Division One uh, NCAA swimmer. She swam for Eastern Illinois University. And um, I remember she was visiting after college or while she was in college one, one time. And, um, and she was visiting us and she... She was talking about her coach, and she and she said we were we were sitting there eating at youth group, and she said, you know, our coach, my coach, always tells our team, abs are made in the kitchen. And so, it's funny to this day, my wife and I will be about to eat a cupcake, and we'll say abs are made in the kitchen, right? Just to remind us that uh, this isn't helping helping us get that six pack, those six pack abs that we want. And now you understand why I have other people talking about abs than myself. You notice my examples and how to get six, a six-pack of abs weren't from me. Like, this is not a good example of a strong physical core, right? Hopefully it's an example for a strong spiritual core, which we're going to get to in just a moment. Oh, actually, we're going to get to right now. So gluttony affects our, our physical core, but it also affects our spiritual core the exact same way that it affects physical core. When it comes to our spiritual health, your core, so if your core is your, your stomach muscles when it comes to physical, what is your core when it comes to your spiritual? Your core when it comes to your spiritual is your character. Write that down. Your core is your character or who you are. Therefore, when gluttony weakens our core, then what you consume affects who you are. Or maybe I should say it like this. What you consume affects who you're becoming, who you are about to be. What you consume affects who you become. My parents used to say it like this. Maybe your parents said it too. Finish it with me. Garbage in. Garbage in, garbage in, garbage out. What you put in will affect what you put out. What you consume affects who you are. The music you listen to affects who you become. 
The books that you read affects who you become. That's why we say every morning you should wake up and you should read this book first. Because it affects who you become. The things you look at on your Facebook page or on your Instagram or whatever it is, they affect who you become. The movies you watch affect who you become. The websites you visit affect who you become. And it affects those you love as well. Can I just make a public service announcement just for a moment? Get on a little soapbox. Some of the movies that believers promote on their on their social media are downright gluttonous. I was thinking about this as I was writing this message. And I had this thought, what if movies came with calories? <laughs> what if the movies that you put into your eyes produced physical calories in your life? Like a thousand calories per F-bomb in a movie. Ouch. Some of these movies would be like thousands and thousands and thousands of calories. 22,000 calories per movie. Or 5,000 calories per nude scene. It's kind of quiet in here. Like, what we consume affects who we become. Now, I realize that that's a little absurd. A thousand calories for an F-bomb? Are you serious, Pastor Adam? Yeah, I am. Because it's that big of a deal. Maybe the reason you can't stop swearing is because all you do is hear it. In the music you listen to, in the, in the movies that you watch. to be a legalistic message. That's not the goal here. It's not about the laws that we find and the words that we say and we don't say. It's not about the law. It's about your heart. The reason we have to protect what comes in our lives isn't because of the law. It's because of our heart. It's because if we really want Jesus is a heart problem. What you consume affects your heart. Which is why when it comes to the holidays, we have to pay special attention to what we consume. Physically and spiritually. Because of your core. Lisa Turkhurst wrote this book called Made to Crave. Made to crave, and, and made to crave, Lisa Turker says this. She says, God made us, listen to this. This is so, so good. God made us capable of craving so that we'd have an unquenchable desire for more of him alone. 
nothing changes until we make the choice to redirect our misguided cravings to the one that's capable of satisfying them. And so the problem with gluttony is a weakened core. So what do we do as the answer? What is the answer to gluttony? Well, obviously it's strengthening our core, but how do we do that? In the book of Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we find the answer in my opinion. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies, give your bodies to God. Not just your core, but your entire body. Give it to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be living in a holy sacrifice, the kind that will be that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. If you want to worship God, give him your body. Give him all of you. The kind that is pleasing to him. The worship that is pleasing to him is when we give him our bodies. Now go on, verse 2. Don't copy the behaviors of others, by the way. Paul goes on to tell them, this is how you do it. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person and change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You want to know what God wants you to do in your life? Start with giving yourself to him. If gluttony affects our core, then we must give our bodies over to God. This passage points out how we take care of our bodies. Number one, it says, do not co- copy the behaviors and customs of this world. Do you, do you see the connection to gluttony there? Don't consume the things of the world. So if, you, if we're going to strengthen our core, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot consume the things of the world. It goes on and it says, let God transform you by the way answer to gluttony, number one, starts with your heart, by giving him your heart so that he can transform your mind. The answer to gluttony is giving God your heart so that he can transform your mind. When you give God your heart, I can say it like this, when you give God your heart, he will transform your mind. Because when it comes to who you are, when it comes to your core, It is affected by your heart, which is also affected by your mind. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, talking about consumption, he says, But Jesus told them, No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. People do not live by bread alone, but by the very word that comes from the mouth of God. We've got to learn to live transform us and we can transform the world but it starts with being transformed by the word of God the answer to gluttony is consuming the things of God and allowing him to transform us just like Turkert says that when we allow him to transform us it satisfies the cravings 
that we all have. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand this is a difficult, it's it's just as hard for me to, to say it as it is for you to hear it. But I hope that you're consuming it, right? So that it can transform you. Because I promise you, it's just from my heart. It's like I, I speak to each other too. But I realize that some of you came in here today with deep, deep, deep cravings. You have cravings of God to just do something in your life. You have cravings, desires, needs that only God can satisfy. I believe that you're exactly where he wants you. In just a few moments, we're going to have some people at the stairs that want to help you go before God's throne with that craving that you have because he is the only one that can satisfy you. God has to transform us by renewing our minds every day. And when he transforms us, he shows us things tell you the reason why you were created is the one that created you. That's why we talk about purpose here. That's why we talk about about doing things that energize you and doing things that help you become the person that God wants you to be. It's not because, again, I'll I'll get on it just for, for a moment. It's not because we need someone to set up curtains. It's not because we need someone to unload a trailer. It's not because we need people to sing. It's because we want you to, to, to find out why God has created you. We want you to discover your purpose. We want you to make his name known. So that people can come to know Jesus. And there is nothing like showing someone the Jesus that loved them so much that he gave his life to die on a cross for them so that they could live forever with him. There is nothing that gives me more joy than when someone comes to know Jesus as their Savior. And I believe that it's joy that you can discover too. So we want to give you the tools and the things necessary to help you tell your friends about Jesus so that they can discover the joy that you have. And as Jesus comes into our life and he transforms us, he gives us a a renewing of our mind, the Bible says. He allows us to, to think differently. But the Bible, I, I love God's word because it, it connects everything. And later on, the same guy that wrote that about giving our bodies to God and transforming our minds in the book of Galatians to another church, he wrote this about the ways that God transforms our minds. He calls the things that God transforms our minds with fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23, he tells them, if God, if you love God, if he transforms the way you think, these are the things that you will possess. These are the fruits that you will have. You will have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these. Depression isn't one of them. 
his family isn't one of them. Come on, somebody. But self-control is one of them. And the opposite of gluttony is self-control. And if gluttony is eating and drinking, then ladies and gentlemen, we need to, ex- we need to have self-control when it comes to the things that we eat and we drink. to have self-control when it comes to the things that we consume. I don't watch rated R movies. I used to. I also used to listen to 90s hip-hop. That was dumb. I go back and I listen to some of those songs and I go, even the edited version is raunchy. Sometimes I look at, at the things that I've consumed in my life and I go, how in the world did you become a church planter? Only God. Only God. Because he's the only one that can transform us to what he wants us to become. My pastor, Derek Fry, he always says this. He says, strong character is preceded by strong habits. Let me say that again. Strong character is preceded by strong habits. So here's what we're doing as a church. Every year, at the beginning of the year, after after Christmas, after the Christmas season, after we've been gluttonous, Where for 21 days, we commit to seeking God 100% with our lives. We do that through two disciplines, sorry, by two habits that every believer needs to have. Fasting and prayer. And so, for 21 days, we will fast and we will pray as a church so that we can establish the habits that God wants in our life. That's why we do 21 days of prayer. It's not about what you fast. It's about why you fast. It's about seeking the one that gives you the ability to overcome whatever it is that you're fasting from. So this year we're doing it, we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, the dates for this year's 21 Days of Prayer are January 6th through the 26th. It begins on a, on a Sunday. The first day that we fast is a Sunday. The last day that we fast is a Saturday. So we can eat before we come to church on Sunday, the January 7th, or 27th. So for 21 days, we, we fast and we pray. And, 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 and what we're doing this year that's a little different is, for 21 days, uh, we're going to open the church office, which we do have a church office. Um, it's, it's at my house, um, and uh, we can we will put all the directions and things on, on the website and make it easy to find if you, if you want to get there. It's not a very big building, um, 
so excited about it. I want to tell you guys about it today. Um, but we'll have a sign-up sheet for it um, on, on our website so that we can, um, because it's a 500-square-foot building, so um, it, it'll, it'll fill quick. But we want, we want to open it every day for 21 days at 6 a.m. before you go to work so that you can come and you can worship. You can have, we can have a devotion together, and we can pray together. So that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll worship, we'll, we'll devo, and we'll pray together. And the reason we do that is because for 21 days, the Bible, or not, this isn't Bible, this is science. Science has proven that um, it takes 21 days to form a habit. And so for 21 days, we want to seek God together as a church so that we can help you establish the habit of seeking God in your life. So we're going to do the, the best that we can to seek God every morning at 6 a.m. at 125 North Warren Road. And we are also going to be publishing a prayer guide that we'll have here um, on, on Sunday morning, January 6th, um, to give everyone to help you walk through. But maybe, you're, maybe you just don't know how to pray. Well, it, it'll... to pray. And so um, that's what we're doing this year for, for 21 days of prayer because we believe that strong character is preceded by strong habits. And we want to be a church with a strong core. We want to be a church that, is, that seeks God not just for 21 days, but, but one that seeks Him every single day of our lives. Because he gives us purpose. Because he makes us happy. Do me a favor, bow your heads, close your eyes. I realize that I talked about some things this morning that are kind of tough. Discipline is not an easy thing to talk about. I know if it's not easy to talk about, it's definitely not easy to hear. So this morning I realized that a, a message of this nature is going to require reflection. So I don't want to rush you this morning. You've got me. But I want you to sit there and I want you to think. God, what am I consuming that is affecting my heart that doesn't follow you. And some of you are sitting there and you're saying, you know, Pastor Adam, you're, you're talking an awful lot about, about my heart. That's kind of what we do here. Because we believe 
loves you so much that he has a desire. He, he actually has a craving. God has a craving that you can satisfy. And the way you satisfy the craving that God has is by giving him your heart because that's what he wants. See, the Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that God wanted the world so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, so that whosoever would believe in him, so whosoever would give him their hearts, they would not perish but have everlasting life. to give God your heart, just say this prayer. And then after you say the prayer, there's a part on your card that you can mark so that you know, because I do want to know. I do want to know that you've given God your heart. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, God, I know I've done wrong. I know I need you. I know that I need to give you my heart. So, God, the best way that I know how
pray that that you would just find the spirit of pornography in our lives. Help us to look at things that will honor you, Lord. Father, bind the spirit of profanity in our, in our lives, not because of of the law. away all those things. God, the blood of Jesus wipes away all of those things.